Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. All right, if you could stand with me this evening, I'm just going to share a little bit of the word with you tonight. If you can turn with me to the second epistle of Timothy, chapter 2. Starting at verse 20, 2 Timothy 2 and 20. Sister Leet's up there pounding away because I didn't give her my scriptures ahead of time. Sorry about that. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20 says, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. You may be seated. Thank you, Lord, for the word. If I would title the message that I put together, it's just a short one, I won't keep you long since I had long announcements. I would say, oh, to be used. Oh, to be used. When the scripture, when the verse says in Peter, what Peter's talking about, excuse me, what Timothy is, or what Paul is talking to as he's writing to Timothy, excuse me, when he talks about the great house, it's, it's pretty well known and understood, and, and most, of the, uh, most of the concordances and things that you'll, you'll read and the, the expounders of the scripture will tell you that that obviously represents the church, the great house. They're in, the great, in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and earth. And, and so these vessels, obviously, that we're speaking of are us, our people. And so as I was thinking about our youth leadership and the changes that are happening, and, and eventually my wife and I will be more administratively over things and, and probably not as many winter youth conventions and doing all these things. And we have these great young people coming up and, and new youth leadership coming. And, uh, and there's new things that are happening in the church. There's new things. Uh, uh, I have the opportunity and the pre- privilege of working with Brother Kylie every day and we talk about some of the, the vision that he has and the things that we're doing. You've heard the word has become kind of common now. It's moving around. We're talking about outreach again, getting back to our first love, getting, you know, we're, we're, we're a fantastic church with people that have a lot of knowledge and a lot of skill and a lot of ability and a lot of desire. And uh, we were talking about it just recently and we talked about how we've got all of that ability and all of that uh, ready to go and we've trained ourselves up and we've honed our skills and there's some that are still in that and there's some of you that are newer and, and you're working on a, that at this moment. But we have that ability and we have all that talent and we can get back into that mode. Sometimes you move into a mode of maintenance, you move into a mode of teaching and training and learning and, and guiding and getting people involved in ministries and then you realize that you've, you've matured in a certain area and you realize that there's opportunity out there and you start to see things that are happening. You start to see uh, um, the need that's out there and you begin to feel the move of God and the desire and the need for outreach. Well, there's one way to begin a movement in that direction, and that is, is aside from bringing up these silver and gold vessels that we have, but we have these wood vessels and these earthen vessels. So what, what's the differentiation? What is the, what's the purpose? What's Paul saying to Timothy? And what he's saying is, is there's, 
there are many different types of vessels and some of them are gold. Someday I'd like to be a gold vessel. Right now I'm probably something like dirt vessel. If you could make a vessel out of dirt. But, you know, I think you can graduate. You know, maybe they cook you or something or salt something in and redo it. You know, you're always on the potter's wheel, right? But these vessels are talking about people and in, in, in you and in me and our abilities. Now, a wood vessel is a lot less valued in the world to a silver or a gold vessel. But to God, the vessel is the vessel nonetheless. It's just the different of the person and to their abilities, right? And so... This house, this great house, has gold and silver vessels. And people like me and my wife and, and our youth group, we're learning from you gold and silver vessels out there. The folks that, that founded this church and built this church and, and entreat the church and care for it. But we've got lots of wood and earthen vessels as well, don't we? And we have lots of opportunity. Now let me read a little bit further and I want to explain a little bit more about what Paul was talking to him. If you remember it, in verse 21, it said, if a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel. Because he said, there are some to honor and some to dishonor. Okay, the different types of vessels. Now, if you think, your own, think of your own home. You have lots of vessels in your home, right? You have, you have glasses and you have nice china and you have your daily stuff and then you have those Tupperware cups that you bought at a party because somebody invited you and you had to buy them. And, and you have these weird things you had at a rummage sale and the stuff you got at the McDonald's drive-in, you know, and yeah, all types of vessels. Well, you know, those are all good vessels. They're, they're functional, useful vessels and that's good. And then you have those vessels that are kind of gross, right? You have that, that garbage can in the, in the bathroom that's, you know, gets, it's gross and you have to throw stuff in there, you know. You know, and you have, you know, you know out in the garage, I have a vessel that I use for oil when I take, you know, the oil change in the car when I'm fixing lawnmowers and stuff. And those are dirty vessels. And that's, so those would be the dishonor type vessels. That's stuff you don't keep out, right? The nice vessels you put out on your shelf and you display and, and you allow them to come up on youth night and you put them out on the pulpit and say, okay, you know, talk to the people. <laughs> See what I'm saying? So that, that's the differentiation that Paul is giving to Timothy in re regarding these vessels, some to honor and some to dishonor. But he says, if a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use. So now we don't, we can't give ourselves righteousness. We don't apply that. We don't just decide one day we're righteous and we're, we're of honor for God, right? That's for him. But clearly Paul is telling Timothy, this is an act of will on our part, right? Purge yourself. Well, how do we do that? Obviously, we do that by action, by being here, by, by studying and listening to the word, being here for every service we possibly can because this is an apostolic church and anything can happen any night of the week, right? That's why you guys are here, right? So you wouldn't say, well, I'm not going to go tonight. It's just youth night, right? Because that's, you know, I've been there before. You wouldn't do that because you know this is an apostolic church full of the Holy Ghost and anything can happen on any night. Even if the dirtiest earthen vessel is the one that is presented on the shelf tonight, which is maybe the case, right? But you see what I'm saying. And so he sort of indicates that this is an act of will, but we know that it's through God that we get that purity, we get that, and maybe through him is how we get to be a, a gold vessel or a silver vessel someday, right? And I won't have time to be a silver vessel, cause, but Brother Kylie, now he's a silver vessel. Brother Zelensky, he's a silver vessel, Right? <laughs> I won't, I'll just be a shiny vessel. Anyway, so 
it's clearly he's saying that you, you need to purge yourself. In other words, as a vessel, what does a vessel do? It contains things, right? A vessel, it holds things. And we know the Bible gives us examples of vessels of oil and all these, what we contain and that we, we overflow with, right? When we're ministering to people, we're containing the word of God. We contain. So these, these, these dishonorable vessels, these are the vessels that are holding things that aren't so good, you know? And, and unfortunately, because we're human and because we make mistakes and you know, we have that stuff there too. And sometimes we're a dishonorable vessel and sometimes we're an honorable vessel. And, and so it seems to me what Paul is telling Timothy is we got to work to purge. Now purge, I suppose purge could be an automatic, you know, you just take the vessel out and the dirty stuff goes away. But I kind of tend to think that purging is like when you do, anybody guys know when you do brake fluid change and you kind of like gotta let it run out, you know, and you work and you work and work and get that oil out of your, or if you do oil change in your car, Ladies, I'm sorry if I've lost some of you, but I'm not going to assume that because ladies do oil changes too. Sister, uh, Sister Ruth just shook her head at me over there because I know she does oil changes. Anyway, so the point being is that it seems like it's a process, but I don't want to assume that you know, because some people are instantaneously changed. God can change them completely. They'll still struggle with the flesh, but that purging needs to happen, right? So if a man purge himself... Uh, from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified. Now that's neat because this sanctified's kind of a, a sort of a permanent thing, right? That's a big deal. That's like a real tough thing to pull away, right? If you're purged and you you get honor, but you also get sanctification. Sanctification is a special, special, special shelf that God puts that vessel on when He displays it in His great house. You see. There's a tremendous promise in this, and I'm directing this at the youth for a very good reason, because I believe that now is the time, now is the time that the church begins to take a new step and a new direction, and, and we begin to take things a little bit more seriously, and I'm going to explain to you exactly what Paul was telling Timothy at this time. Be sanctified and meet for the master's use. Now, in the Bible, that term meet means good substance, okay? My wife and I joke around all the time because I always tell her she's my help meat and she says, you're my help meat. And I always say, well, I'm a little more meaty than you are, you know, but that's our little thing that we say. Uh, but that's good. It's a, it's a good substance. It's meat for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. So now there's, here's another promise in that if you go through this process and you become a good vessel and it, it doesn't say, now it says purge yourself. It doesn't say become a different vessel. It doesn't say that if, if there's gold and silver vessels and you're not, you're not matching up with the, you know, the gold and silver vessels and you're just a wooden vessel that you're going to be disregarded or you're not as good or your impact isn't good. It doesn't say that. It says you will have honor. It doesn't say different honor from the gold and the silver vessels. It doesn't say better sanctification. It says you will receive honor and sanctification for doing so. Right? So... And prepared unto every good work. And I read that, and, I, and as I was in my study, I wanted to get a little bit further into that. And, and the feeling, and one of the, one of the uh, explanations that I read, and I like to go to a couple of different uh, resources, um, but the general gist, essentially, prepared for every good work, means that if you purify yourself to this work, if you become that vessel, honored and sanctified, God will give you work 
after work, after opportunity, after good blessing, after good day. In other words, every good work, everything that's possible that's within you to do, you will be able to do through him. Every good work. So, in other words, what I'm trying to get at, and I apologize if I'm missing you on this, what I'm getting at is that I think people sometimes get into this idea that, well, I've been a Sunday school teacher since I got in church, and that's all I'm really good at, and I'm just going to be a Sunday school teacher, and, and that's what I like to do, and, you know, and I just don't think I could do anything else effective. I don't think that's true. Now, if that is your choice and that is your will, and you want to be the greatest Sunday school teacher that's ever been known and do everything you can and God will bless you, that's okay too. But what I'm saying is the promise seems to offer just a little more than that. And now we have young people who have taken the opportunity. Now, it's not that my wife and I sit in, you know, in Sunday school each Sunday and go, okay, who's up next for another ministry? Who's going to go here? Who's going to there? Sometimes the Sunday school folks will come and ask them or they'll see them in the hallway or, or you folks that are in that ministry, reach out to them. Thank you for doing that, by the way. Thank you for entrusting our young people to come in and help out in your classes. Thank you for giving them the credit, giving them the confidence, giving them the value to say, I know you can help out, Sister Rebecca Kiley. Thank you for involving our young people in your Power Hour program. Absolutely. Because when you do that, you say to them, you're a good vessel. I know you're going to do a good job. And you teach them, and you train them, and you build something in them. Guess what that's called in Timothy's letter? A good work. That's a good work. Every good work. So Timothy goes on to say in verse 22, now Timothy, understand at this point, uh, I keep saying Timothy, Paul is saying to Timothy, now, Timothy, at this point, is guesstimated to be between about 30, 32, maybe 33 years old. Okay, he's not, we don't have anybody in the youth group that old except me, you know, but, but this group is not that old. Timothy is uh, mature. He's, he's a man at this point. But in 22, Paul writes to him and says, flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart, but foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strifes. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach and patient. Let's talk just a second about striving. I was a young person once, and you were a young person once, and striving is not necessarily a bad thing. We strive to do good works, and we strive to be what's, what God wants us to be, and we strive to, to achieve what he wants us to do. But in this context, striving, he says the servant of the Lord must not strive. The derivative of that word is strife. And striving is when we're just constantly seeking something that we can't attain, or we're constantly chasing that, that, that happiness, or constantly chasing this unattainable goal or, or this, this thing that may not be within the will of God. And I believe what Paul is saying to him is just that aspect. Stop striving for the things that are not beneficial to you. Don't strive for the things that are not going to bless you or be a good thing in your life. That's what he's saying to him. Now, as young people, 
the difficulty there is, is where it's ingrained in us, or it's ingrained in them, even us now, even, even adults now. We start to, oh, I want to get this, and I got to do that, and, I, and, 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 and they want things. They see what adults have, and they, they, get, they want that first car, and they want that job, and I want that paycheck so I can go buy cool clothes, and, and all that stuff is okay unless it completely dominates, right? And Paul is warning against that. Now, in 25, he says, in meekness, excuse me, I'm going to go back, and he says, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach and patient. Now, he's starting to talk about this call, this being used that I mentioned a moment ago. And if you get the gist of this scripture, and I'm going to read another one here to you shortly, this isn't a, an if. Being used of God is not an if proposal. It's a when. And it's when you make your decision and your choice. You see, and when we decide and we make that move, we don't first decide to be used of God. What we really have to do, especially coming out of youth, is we have to decide not to be used by wrong first. Some of my early struggles in life, I always, I talked for many years. I felt my calling from the Lord when I was 14, 15, 16 years old. And I want, I want to be used of God and I want to do this, I want to do that. And I was striving, strife, 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 striving, striving, striving. And then when I would hit the brick wall and I would fail, I would get dejected and I would feel bad about myself. And it was always a wonderful person, a, a person like you in the church, a, an adult, uh, someone, a teacher of mine or somebody would pick me up and say, no, 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 you're, you're doing okay. You just got to stay on the track. That's why you need to do that for those guys. That's why you need to be there for them and do things like say, hey, I trust you. I want to instill something in you. I want to give you an opportunity. Because it's those times when they're going, oh, I messed up. It's never going to happen. I'm so frustrated. We don't want them to get so frustrated they start looking elsewhere for the thing that satisfies them. You see, so the work and desiring to be used, oh, to be used, is a wonderful thing. But we have to decide, young people, you have to decide not to be used for wrong first. And in my, and, and when I say wrong, I'm not saying evil or terrible things. I'm saying just focused on things, entertainment and friends and buddy, and exclusively always just those things of the flesh. Because I know when I made mistakes and I was susceptible to falling at different things, and I'm not going to tell you what's not your business, but... It wasn't until I figured out that I had to find ways to stop being used of wrong more frequently and start being used of God more frequently. And so the proposal that Paul gives to Timothy here is not an if statement. It's not a time to consider, will you someday be used of God? No. It's when you are used of God. Verse 25 says, In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. He begins to outlay the essence of being used by God. So what does he focus immediately on? What does he go directly to? Helping others escape the captivity and the snare of their wrongdoing. We're teaching them the gospel. In chapter 3, now, the, 
the writers of the Bible essentially chapterified this and broke it up. It's still all one part of the same commentary. So if you go from verse 26 and 2 to verse 1 and 3, he continues, he uses the word also, as a matter of fact. He says, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Now, I want to tie this together in another way because I, I opened this up as owed to be used and a message from Paul to Timothy about being used, about being that vessel in the great house. And, and again, this, this is still the same letter. This is still the same thought even because he says this know also. Okay, so he lays it out to Timothy about being used in this whole process. And what does he begin to talk about? The condition of the world. Now the young people, the young people and I, and we've talked about this stuff that's gone on in the world. Pastor has preached about it, the things that are happening in our world today. I was with, uh, we were away on vacation this weekend. I was with Pastor Rabine, Ward Rabine in, in uh, Elton up in Wisconsin. And he, he taught a message Sunday night that was awesome talking about the fluid nature of the world. Things are changing very, very quickly. And, and it's getting ugly for the people who don't know, for the vessels who aren't prepared. People are scared. I mean, they're just, they're really, really scared because this stuff looks all terrible and horrible because they took their eyes off the real purpose and the real focus. And we know that. Pastor preached about it. And so isn't it ironic that this message about being a good vessel in the house goes right into the last days, perilous times shall come. Young people, you need to understand that this was prophesied in the word 2,000 years ago. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power of, from such turn away turn away. Now we know that when Paul writes about those that have a form of godliness but deny the power, we're talking about people who proclaim Jesus, proclaim God, and have no relationship with the Holy Ghost. And that's happening in our world today. Now this paints an ugly picture. These are terrible words, but this is daily society. And these things are not illegal. As a matter of fact, we've gone so far as to make a bunch of them really legal. But this is what's happening in our world today. Now, if we go to, and I'm going to skip a little bit here because he goes on, he speaks to some specific, uh, specific uh, other issues related to ministry and, and things like that. So if we go to chapter 4, verse 1, it ties right into, now he goes in, he, he lays out the vessels and he lays out this purging process. He talks about our requirement to be used by God. He talks about what we're up against, what our job is, what, what's out going on out there in the world to keep away from these things. And then he goes back to his charge. And he says, I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Folks, this is in the word of God. It's in the epistle written to Timothy by the Apostle Paul. It is not specifically just for him. It is for you and it is for me. Preach the word. Every one of us in some way, shape, or form need to get a hold of the word. Well, guess what? There's only one way to preach it. And we talk about this in our, in our classes all the time. 
We have got to be in the word, devouring it every chance we get. It's the only thing that's going to pull us through. It's the only thing that's going to get us through the strife and the problems and the interactions and all the stuff that happens because we're people and we're humans and we stumble over each other and we make mistakes and we hurt one another. The word of God is the only thing that's going to get us through. And we can't just sit and eat it all the time. Preach the word. I charge thee, preach the word. Young people, you need to know the word so that you can preach the word. And, here, and I'll tell you why in just a second. <clears throat> preach the word, be instant, in season and out of season. Repu- reprove, rebuke, exhort, and with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time shall, will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts, they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And I know many of you know this scripture, you've heard it many times before. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, and make full proof of thy ministry. He tells you, he tells me, every person in this auditorium, preach the word. Be an evangelist. Because it's what's going to pull you through. All these other things, people are going to fall off into fables. This is what I mean by you have to know the word. We talk about it in our class all the time. I tell them, read a couple words, just a little bit. Make it a habit. Get the word of God in your mind and in your heart every single day. Get up and talk to the Lord every single day. But he is very specific in saying, do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. What is he saying when he says make full proof? Don't dabble. Don't be half in and half out. Be instant in season and out of season. Be ready. Well, how do we do that? We do that by talking about outreach and discussing outreach and making it a common term. Let abundant life be known as the church of outreach. Let our discussion be talking about outreach. Am I wrong? Am I making a mistake here? Am I off track? Is this, right? This is what we are here for and what the direction that we're being given Pastor Kylie came up with an awesome idea. He told me about it, and I had to share it with you. I think it is fantastic. It's one step, but God can do amazing things. He said, what if we were able to go and find some people in the area? Uh, There's sources available. Salespeople use it all the time. You can find out new folks that move into the area. Sister Runs has a fantastic relationship with the welcome wagon lady that comes in and picks up our bulletins and stuff like that. And what if we were able to find out where some new folks have moved in? And we do a little outreach. Now, some of you probably just went, uh-oh, I don't, do door, I don't do door knocking. I don't like that. People are afraid of that. But we recognize that times are changing. Brother Kylie had a great idea. What if we just showed up at their door with a lovely bag of homemade cookies, knocked on the door and said, hey, just wanted to welcome you to the neighborhood. We're from Abundant Life Church over on 18 and Sawyer. Just wanted to say welcome to the neighborhood. Here's a bag of cookies. Hope to see you sometime. And... Let us know if you can ever use a hand or something like that. We're not knocking on the door, throwing a Bible in their face. We're not trying to get them into a Bible study. We're not trying, because we know that people have become very, very jaded towards those types of things. And we're a little smarter than that, right? Our gold vessel has said, I know what happens now when that happens. So we're going to take it this way and then let God work it out. If they're touched in their hearts by that, great. If it opens up an opportunity for a Bible study, great. If they say to you, well, well, that's awesome. Where is your church? I'd like, I'll come check it out. Great. If they say, oh my goodness, I've been sitting here praying, wondering if someone would ever come and help me. You know, anything can happen. We've all heard those stories. 
But all it takes is the effort to step up in that one thing. In some way, shape, or form, we should all be thinking in terms of outreach and what we can do to just connect out there. You see, the, the vessels are all clean and we're, we're purified, we're purged, and we're up on the shelf and we're doing real good and we get shined up every Sunday morning, right, with awesome message, right? And so now is the opportunity to be that evangelist that the Apostle Paul talked about. In uh, the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 10, uh, verse 10, the King James Version says, The iron be blunt, and he do not wet the edge. Then must he put to more strength, but wisdom is profitable to direct. Now, the NIV version I put down for you because I thought it was a little bit easier to understand. It basically says, If the axe is dull and its edge is unsharpened, more strength is needed, but skill will bring success. So what that's saying to us is, is we got to sharpen up. I told Pastor Kylie today, I was talking a little bit about this message, and I said, you know, there was a while ago when I was really, really strong into memorizing scriptures. I really felt like that was an important thing, and I, I could, like this, and, and I said, you know, I've kind of started to lose that a little bit. I haven't been diligent on that type of a thing, and so... And the reason I think that's important is because I've been in those situations, and I know you have too, where you're talking to somebody, an opportunity comes up, and you say something, and you want to quote that scripture to them, and with confidence and clarity, you can look them in the eye, and you can quote that scripture, not with arrogance or you know, pride, but just say, do you know that the Bible says speaks exactly to your situation? Here's what it says. Bah, 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 bah. And you say that with, clar- with clarity and confidence. What do you do? What do you instill in them? You know what you're talking about. You have confidence. Well, that, that person, there's an anointing that comes from that. What does the Bible say about the word? It does not come back void, right? It's a seed that you plant. Well, I want that seed to be whole and complete and, and right and correct and ready to go and a really, really good seed. But that's sharpening our skills. And so we become maybe a little dull-edged if we just kind of take, take it a little easy for a while and we're doing our training and we're doing our you know, kind of getting great feeding and getting the word and stuff like that, but it, we can get a little complacent, right? Anybody here besides me ever get that kind of, well, I'm a little sleepy, kind of. Anybody here besides me feel a conviction to say, you know what, I, I do need to step it up. I haven't taught a Bible study for a while or I haven't, I haven't talked to a friend for a while, or, right? I mean, let's be honest, these aren't terrible things. It's not a, it's not a conviction of you as a person. It's simply just saying, we're human. But God is speaking to your leadership. God is speaking to your shepherd and your pastor and instilling him in, your, in, in, in the, the men of this church who are guiding the ministry and he's speaking to them and, 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 and beginning to build a work and it's exciting. And he's going to start calling out evangelists. And I'm going to wrap up with this last scripture. Oh, and I'm, you know what? I messed, messed up my reference. That is the danger of copying it onto a sheet of paper. I do that for eyesight purposes. Somebody shouted out, if you know, it says, and that knowing this time, that now is the high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than we believed. If that's not more true today than it ever has been, then I have no business being here and talking to you. 
Our salvation is more nearer than it ever has been, and now is the time. And now is the time. Oh, to be used by God. Oh, to be used. Folks, I got to tell you, there's energy that comes from it. There's excitement that comes from it. If you're tired, if you're sleepy, if you're beat down, if you're discouraged, these are the things. That one conversation, that one event, that one person who responds, it can fire you up. It can light you up and give you energy. It can give you strength. It can help you forget problems. Oh, to be used by God. I encourage the young people all the time, and I know that they struggle, and I know that sometimes young people get a bad rap because they're young people and they make mistakes and they look different than us old people and they, you know, and, <laughs> and, and uh, they do go through their struggles and we work with them in that and, uh, and we encourage them as much as we can. And we've always said since the beginning of this ministry, don't knock them down. Don't tear them up. Don't criticize them. Don't get, oh, our youth aren't doing that good. I, I heard it again the other day. Whoa, the youth group, you know, they're kind of small. Or, you know, it wasn't anything really bad, but it was just sort of one of those comments that can be, it can be read the wrong way. But I can tell you that we're all in this together. And for every one of us that's ever looked at a young person and said, well, look at them, they're not doing that great. We need to look at ourselves. And we have to say, if Paul was writing that letter to us, what could, what could we say? Oh, to be used by God. If you could stand with me this evening. Thank you for hearing me. Thank you for listening to me. I just wanted to share that with you. I am very, very, very excited about what's coming down right now for our church. And those of you that nodded and are excited about it and want to be a part of this, many, many opportunities. Think about, if you don't know how to teach a Bible study, think about doing it. If you don't know how to outreach, think about getting with someone that you can work with, partner with somebody. If you're going to open your home to host a Bible study, let us know. We just need, I, I just want everybody to think and talk amongst themselves, outreach. What can we do for outreach? What can we do for outreach? Napoleon Hill, the great author who wrote a book called Think and Grow Rich, talked about a brain trust having a group of like-minded people together for the same focus. And in his case, it was for business success. But we can apply it here. We can have that same success. But what it took was everybody on his board of directors, his whole brain trust, always talking amongst each other about the same goal. The more you talk about it, there's just something intrinsic that happens. Things begin to happen. Doors begin to open up. Brother Coral, it's a waste of time to go out knocking doors. People hate that. Doesn't matter. Because God will do something with it if we make the effort. There's something intrinsic. I hate to use the word magical, but in God's terminology, magical. When everybody gets on the same page and the brain trust is working together for the common need. That's what they were doing in the upper room. That's what they were doing in Jerusalem. That's what Paul was talking about when he wrote to Peter. Oh, to be used by God. Lord, we're so very thankful for your word. Thank you, God, for even thinking to use us in your ministry. What an honor and a privilege it is to stand in your house and to be called a servant of the God. We love you, Lord. We are so thankful for our liberty and our freedom that we could stand here and discuss your word, that we could reach out to those that need you. God, I would ask you that you would build within us tonight a desire for outreach.
Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.